For years, the American public has been victimized by the so-called cinematic geniuses, telling us time and again to see inferior movies, leaving us bitter and lost with no return. But no more! This travesty of justice cannot and will not continue, because we now have the Cinema Judge! Hello and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my judge heads out there, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, welcome aboard. And just briefly, this is what the show is about. The studios, they send me clips, interviews, on-the-set footage, sometimes premiere footage, all these kind of things. I take that information, put it into one cohesive infomercial, for lack of a better word, and I give you the evidence. You make up your own mind. I'm not going to sit here and yell about Hollywood, yell about this, yell about that. Who am I to tell you what to like? I'll, you know, I'll maybe tell you if I like something, but that's not important. We've all walked different paths in life. I'm not going to say this or that. Don't, I'm not going to tell you not to see something. Nothing annoys me more than when somebody tells me what to do. Who are you to tell me? I'm going somewhere to escape. That's what our deal here here is. It's a movie oasis, a place just to get away. Because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. My job is simple. I just give you the evidence. And you make up your own mind. Now approaching the bench today, we have Downton Abbey, A New Era. This is the second movie in the franchise, which is part of a bigger animal, if you will. A TV series, which was wildly entertaining. And people all over the world love that show. And this just keeps following that story. The same people have come back for it. They've added a few characters here and there. And in this movie, there's a couple storylines going on. But the real big one is this. The house that they live in, they have to keep trying to make money because it's not cheap to run that house. They've been offered to have a silent movie shot on in and around their house. So here's a trailer for Downton Abbey, A New Era. Have you told them, Lady Grantham? She's told us nothing. Do sit down. I've come into possession of a villa in the south of France. What villa? Start at the beginning. Years ago, before you were born, I met a man. They spend a few days together and he gives her a house. You never thought to turn it down? Do I look as if I'd turned down a villa in the south of France? Telephone call for you, my lord. Mr. Barber is a producer and director. He wants to make a film at Downton. A moving picture at Downton. But the big stars, famous ones. I think it's a horrible idea. Actresses plastered in makeup and actors just plastered. There is something about him, like a wild animal ready to spring. Ready to spring on you, you mean? Action! Cut! Cut! Sorry. The modern world comes to Downton. Why do you think he gave you the villa? That is where the mystery resides. Then go off to the Riviera. And with any luck, we'd miss the whole of Mary's frightful film. I do hope that was a prop. You steer ahead. You're the captain now. They better be warned. The British are coming. Welcome to the Villa of the Doves. It's a beautiful place. How happy you must be. Oh my goodness. 
Who is she? The Lady Grantham I first went to work for. Granny! Why did you invite us here? It doesn't look good for Papa if she felt the need to keep it a secret. There's trouble in paradise. You don't need me to tell you that marriage is a novel full of plot twists along the way. Women like us fall into two categories, dragons and fools. You must make sure they think of you as a dragon. But with that, I will say goodnight and leave you to discuss my mysterious past. It seems the public only want films that talk. I should have thought the best thing about films is that you can't hear them. It'd be even better if you couldn't see them either. <laughs> now, coming up first, we're going to hear from the director, Simon Curtis. And he talks about a couple of things in this interview. He talks about the writer, Julian Fellows, and what he brings to this movie, how every character has a role to play. They're all important. They will all work together. And he also just talks about the whole time frame of the late 1920s, about just that whole, that whole world. Here's a director. It's a very specific moment in time. And, you know, it's not that everything in 1929 was great for the people who lived at that time. But there were things and elements of that life that are, seem enviable now, where, you know, you, people did all work together. And what Julian does is give everybody uh, a dignity and a humanity. Uh, whether they're young or old or um, whatever their job or class is. And uh, I think people respond to that, that, you know, that, that, that the kitchen maid and the lady of the house are equally important to the mix of it. And I think that it's society working together, which we can only hope we do do. The writer Julian Fellows is up next, and he talks about the director, about his skill of just putting this all together because there's so many characters and some characters only have a few minutes here and there. And he just talks about how how skilled the director is. He has a very strong grasp of narrative, which is always a useful gift. But in things like Downton, uh, it's an essential one because it's very much multi-narrative. Some of the stories are big and go right through the film. Some are quite short and are told in only three scenes. But... Uh, there are all these stories interlocking, and there are many scenes that serve more than one story, uh, which is why I always say when we have our read-through, you know, at the beginning of the whole thing, I always say to the actors, you must take responsibility for your own story because it is an impossible job for the director or the cameraman to, to be concentrating on every single narrative that has a beat within this scene in the ballroom, within this dinner, whatever it is. Now, speaking of the director, Simon Curtis, he's up next. And he's going to talk about working with Julian Fellows, because this is a fun little side note. The director, Simon Curtis, is married to a cast member, Elizabeth McGovern. So when they talk about this interview, him being on set a lot for the TV show, he was. He was there, you know, visiting with his wife or whatever he was doing, but he knows these characters. He knows that world. So for him to come in and direct this movie isn't a far stretch because he's well aware of all the stuff going on. And he just gives such a great interview. I just love how detailed he is just in talking about the, the writer and just all that stuff. He's just 
a solid interview. Check it out. I had watched every episode, and uh, but uh, my greatest admiration, or two, I had such admiration for the ensemble, the the actors, uh, but also I'd always admired Julian Fellows, but working on the film, that even skyrocketed because he's such a genius at giving everybody a story, uh, these telling moments of humour and emotion uh, that characterise the show. Uh, he's a genius at that. And that was very rewarding to work out each time we set up a scene, you know, what was the important emotional beat. And uh, I saw uh, the cherry orchard on the stage last week. And I was just thinking, Julian is the equal of Anton Chekhov in that, you know, that uh, his Chekhov's plays are about a, a, a family, meaning the servants, the, the, the family all in a house. And uh, that's what Downton Abbey is. And, uh, I think that's why uh, it resonates with people because, yes, it's a very specific moment in time, but it's also incredibly universal because everybody is treated with respect and uh, no matter their age or their class or uh, their their role, uh, Julian gives everybody a humanity and a dignity. The writer Julian Fellows is up next, and he's going to talk about comedy and what kind of comedy he likes. And again, he's such a great interview. They both are very detailed in their in what they're trying to con, you know convey, and I just I just love it. The comedy I like is real life comedy, and and in all our lives we all know people who are funnier than other people that we know, and they they have the gift of making phrases that that are funny, but they don't take you out of the real situation. They're funny to a degree, but they're not all about. Whitehall farce, so you can return to the truth of the narrative situation without any difficulty. And that is, I think, the level of comedy that sits well in a kind of ongoing family saga, which is really what Downton is. See what I'm saying? Just very concise. I, I don't know. I just, I just love it. Up next, we're going to hear from the director again, and he's going to talk about comedy also. And what really kind of you know, intrigues me about these kind of movies. So often there's not much humor, but when you can drop in that little bit of humor, it just makes these people seem a little bit more human. Because sometimes when you watch these movies about the stuffy upper class, you, you, you're just kind of like, eh, I don't really, whatever, it's stuffy. But the humor is what really gives them humanity, I think. I would go for even more comedy. It was left up to me. And I think, again, that goes back to the, 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 the Chekhov, the Cherry Orchard, where, you know, those Russians are crying one minute and laughing the next. And uh, it's also a bit like, I always think like the old musical, where there'd be a juggler followed by an opera singer, followed by a drama, followed by a comedic comedian. And, and Julian's like that. He offers, there's a funny bit, then a, a heartbreaking bit, then a drama bit. And uh, uh, finding out what the right beat was and making the funny thing as funny as possible and the emotional thing as emotional as possible is all our job on a film like this. Now, speaking of comedy... We're going to play a small clip for you. In this clip, a guy walks into this hat store and he's kind of mumbling to himself and he tries to pick out a hat and he's just like, oh, I want to wear this one. But then somebody knows, kind of steps out and says, no, 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 you're not going to get that hat. And it kind of goes from there. And I love watching British movies or TV shows because they have a very different sense of humor. And I find it so interesting how people on the other side of the pond can write so wildly different but still be just as enjoyable, but just seems their their humor is sometimes just so much more 
I don't even know what the word is, but it's it's just a different tone often, and it's just so enjoyable. Bonjour, monsieur. Glare. Um, no. Um, cover. C- uh, cool. Uh, yes. Carson. Oh. Be of help. Um, on va prendre celui-là, s'il vous plaît, Monsieur Roussel. I thought maybe this one. It makes you look like King Zog of Albania. Oh, perfect. Oh, I wouldn't hear of it. It was my choice, so I should pay. Yeah, but I'm the one who has to wear it. Um... Thanks for your custom, sir. Both you and your wife. We're going to hear next from Michelle Dockery, who plays Lady Mary, and she's an intactable to script. I loved this script. Um, I think it's it, it's really funny. I, I found it, I laughed out loud more than the first film. Um, and there's just so much happening in this film. I mean, of course, the last film was, the, there's always something happening. I mean, there was the big event of the king and queen coming to visit, but this time the house being invaded by a film production and then half the class going to France. I mean, there is a lot happening. So um, I was really excited by it. And I love that Mary is thrown into this movie world. So the movie opens with the uh, wedding of Branson and Lucy, uh, which is lovely. It's a lovely way to start a film. Um, so that it's a really positive, exciting, you know, event for everyone. Um, and, you know, there's always financial, um, worries about, you know, how we're going to afford to keep Downton going. Um, so then we get offered this apparently big sum of money from this movie director, um, which solves that problem. And then of course we see that Violet is at the house and she's not going anywhere. Um, which I think will be lovely for the audience. We're going to play another clip for you. Now, in this scene, they're upstairs in the attic and they're having a discussion about, you know, we have to, you know, make changes to make us, you know, keep living here. And the guy's like, I told you you're in charge and you're in charge. Here's that scene. I haven't been up here for years. Well, this is the situation we're in. With the money, we can bring the house up to snuff to match what we've spent on the estate and enter the 1930s with our heads held high. But if you don't want to... No. No, you steer ahead. You're the captain now. I am aware of that, even if you think I'm not. We're going to hear next from Hugh Bonneville, who plays Robert. He's going to talk about the two plot points in this movie. The two significant storylines in in this movie are that uh, movie world comes to Downton Abbey. Uh, A film is uh, is going to be uh, filmed at the castle. And uh, Robert, of course, can't bear the idea of this. So uh, fortuitously, the other thread of the story is that uh, Mother Violet has inherited a villa in the south of France. Uh, in slightly mysterious circumstances. And so half the family go off there to investigate and to, uh, and to find out more about this inheritance. Well, it's not a bad problem to have. If somebody came up to me and says, hey, somebody's giving you or, you know, you're inheriting a French villa. And I, I wouldn't consider that a problem. 
But, you know, I mean, I'm just making fun, but you know, most of us are like, yes, please. But up next, we're going to hear from Elizabeth McGovern, who plays Cora. And she's going to talk about Hugh Bonneville, about how working with him, it's just a solid experience that he's, you know, never let her down. Hugh has never let me down. He, um, because what he's often given is really difficult stuff to pull off. I mean, Robert can be a little bit of an idiot at times, uh, very stuffy at times, very much of a throwback. But in Hugh's hands, there's so much heart in it always. Um, so much, I hate this word, but lovability. And I don't, I don't think there are very many actors that have, could have pulled it off. All right, we just heard Elizabeth talk about Hugh. Up next, Hugh talks about her. And I, <laughs> this is just a fun little thing about how he describes working with her. Working with Elizabeth is, well, frankly, she's my second wife because uh, we've been married on screen uh, on and off over the last 11 years. And uh, it's the third time we've actually been married in a show. So we have a certain shorthand, let's put it that way. And uh, uh, it's just a delight. It's like, I wouldn't say like putting on a favorite pair of slippers because that would be rude to Elizabeth, but she'll know what I mean. Now, Elizabeth is up next and she's going to be talking about the cast and just how, A, how diverse they are but how well they all work together. Well, we're very lucky as a group. Um, either lucky or somebody was very clever when they put us together because um, it's it's a, an amazing group of people. I mean, honestly, you know, we all live for this. And most of the time it doesn't happen where you just have a, a group that are, they're all very different kind of talents but they're all so disciplined. I mean, to do an ensemble show like this, you need to be because it takes a lot of patience. You have to be a total star one minute and an extra the next. And you have to have a personality that can make peace with those two realities. And everybody in this cast can do that and, um, and, and, and still be really fond of each other at the end of a day. And and I don't think there are very many long-term series that you can say that about the cast. So it's been really one of the great privileges of my life. Hugh Bonneville is up again, and he talks about the cast, about how lucky they are that there's such a big group, and they all agreed to come back. And how they, you know, hey, they could be yelling at each other, throwing chairs, like he says, but they work so well together. Here's that interview. Working with the same team of people over the last uh, decade, uh, well, it speaks for itself, the fact that we have managed to sustain it for that long, the fact that we, uh, we aren't throwing chairs at each other. Um, if we were, we wouldn't have got together to make the movie. And uh, I think it's a great testament to, to Julian Fellows and Gareth Neem, our, our producers, and, and, and Liz Truebridge, the fact that they've managed to keep this ship um, afloat uh, and that all, the, all hands on deck um, when it came to it was, was really important because if, if, I think if, uh, if half the cast had said, no, I'm not interested anymore, it wouldn't have happened. And uh, so to have got everyone back together for the second time, I think says, says it all, that we all get on well, that we know the show is beloved and, uh, and, there, and Julian's still got stories to tell. So it's been wonderful to get back together. We're going to hear next from Michelle Dockery, who plays Lady Mary. And she's going to talk about working with the new cast members that they brought in for this movie. We always love it, having new actors come on, come on the show. Um, and, and this one particularly, of course, there was a lot of new faces. And um, 
uh, and great characters. So, of course, you've got Laura Haddock, who plays Myrna Delgleish, who's the, act, the Hollywood actress who everyone's so excited that the fact that she's there, this huge movie star. Um, and it was really fun watching her, you know, her performance as, as the film went on because it's such a brilliant character and so funny. Um, and then, of course, Dominic West and Hugh Dancy. I mean, it was really lovely to have to have them on the show. And they're so, you know, such great actors. We're going to hear next from Kevin Doyle, who plays Mr. Mosley. The first part of the interview, he talks about the story. The second part, he talks a little bit more about his character. But then at the end, he talks about the writer and how the writer still makes it interesting for if you're an actor, because every time he might put in something else that, you know, you had no idea your character is about. So it gives an actor something to dig their teeth into to rediscover their character. Because if you've been playing a character for over a decade, you might get kind of tired or just like in the same rut. But this writer says, okay, now this time you used to do this in the past or you have a fancy for this. And I think if I was in that world, that'd be very a relief or give me more excitement to play a role that you've been playing forever. Because, like, hey, I'm getting a little bit more in depth of who this character is. We gather quite early on because um, apart from anything else, um, Downton Abbey is an expensive place to run and they're always looking for um, some kind of means of income. And uh, an offer is put to them that uh, it, they become a, Downton becomes a location for a British movie, a British silent film. And um, Lady Mary is uh, persuaded uh, when uh, the money that's on offer is, uh, is proffered to her. So she's very willing to, to, to take part in that. Um, at the same time, uh, the Dowager Countess uh, Lady Violet lets it be known that she has come into a bit of property. Um, but the surprising news is that she's come into a bit of property in the south of France and that it has something to do with a past relationship, I, I, I would say, with, with, um, with a young Frenchman at the time. Miss Baxter joined the household um, a, a few years earlier and uh, as, a, um, as a lady's maid to, to Lady Cora. And he spotted in her some troubled past and wanted to help her. And she likewise has kind of spotted something in him that she found curious. Um, and they kind of slowly very slowly, uh, formed a, a bond. And I think they both hope for something more, but because they've both, I suppose, been either hurt or rejected in the past, they're very tentative in, in moving forwards. And so um, perhaps to some Downton's fans' exasperation, their, their, uh, their progress towards sort of... A fulfilling that relationship uh, has proved um, frustratingly slow. Uh, that's not to say that fulfillment isn't on the horizon, but, uh, well, you'll have to wait and see. Whenever Julian writes these scripts, he always puts in something new that you learn about your character when you read it. For instance, in the previous film, I, 
I learned that uh, he was an ardent royalist, uh, which I hadn't, you know, uh, I hadn't realized before. And uh, so you have to embrace that. You have to come at that with a lot of enthusiasm. And likewise, in this film, uh, you, you learn that he lives for the movies. Any spare time that he has, he will be off to the cinema. And um, it's been used as a as, a, as an excuse to take uh, Miss Baxter on, on one or two occasions, and uh, so he he loves movies. He he loves that kind of uh, the idea of Hollywood, of sort of escape or um, fantasy, or um, and so the, the chance that he gets to sort of watch them being made is just absolutely fascinated by. Now we're going to play another scene for you. Now, in this scene, the starlet shows up at the castle. So the, the big score you're hearing, she's driving up, she gets out of the car, and it's like, everybody's like, wow, look at her. And quite frankly, I, I, I enjoy the score. The music is very classic to me. It's very 1940s or whatever it may be. I don't even know what it, how to explain it, but I enjoy the score. But then it kind of moves on, and then we you see Mr. Mosley, and he's approached about, you know, the whole place being a movie thing, and... He just talks about, I just love the movies. Anyway, here's that scene. Hello, Mr. Morsley. Why are you here? You know I love anything to do with films. Well, I know you enjoy a trip to the pictures. Uh, it's more than that. For me, Hollywood is the ultimate dream factory. And I need dreams as much as the next man. Now, do you see what I'm saying? Wasn't that score just, just wonderful? I don't know what about it. It's just so classic to me. But up next, we're going to hear from Kevin Doyle. And he's going to talk about working with this cast in that for British people or actors... Very rarely do you have that opportunity to work that long together. If you're a TV fan, as much as I am, along with movies, most British TV shows, maybe they go four or five seasons. I mean, rarely do they go five. You know, here in the States, a TV, sh a TV show could run, you know, 18, 20 years. And that's just, you know, wapa. But British shows, they're so short. But I mean, they give you... A a ton of great stuff within the four seasons or whatever they have. But it's just weird how two different places, two different systems work that way. There, okay, you're you're three, four done. Here, if it's wildly successful, let's keep milking it. And it's just cool to hear an actor talk about that whole situation. Working on Downton has been and is a kind of a, a unique experience for all of us. Um, not only because of the success of the show, uh, which was kind of revelatory, really, um, but also it's very rare that British actors get to work together for so long. And so whenever we do come back together, you know, especially if it's been two or three years since we last met, it's kind of, uh, there's a kind of a celebration in the air. And um, I don't want to understate that, actually. I mean, it really is a celebration. And um, 
And so any time that there's a moment in the script where it looks as if a lot of us are going to be together, then it's kind of, those moments are really embraced. So it's, I mean, it's always about the people that you work with, really. And and over the over that sort of 10-year period, some very, very strong bonds have been cr- created, uh, you know, lifelong friendships. Now, coming up next, we're going to play a few interviews back-to-back so you don't have to have me interrupt to introduce each one because they're all going to be talking about how much they enjoyed working with the director, Simon Curtis. So at first, you're going to hear from Elizabeth McGovern, then Kevin Doyle, then Michael Fox, who plays Andy, then Laura Carmichael, who plays Lady Edith. And they all talk about how great it was working with Simon Curtis. He has such, Simon has such a brilliant rapport with actors, and, and not just because we know him so well. You know, even with actors, he doesn't, he didn't know very well on Downton. There's just such a, he gives such specific notes, but they're very, they're, he's not a director that kind of, um, kind of, you know, makes you sort of try too many different ways or it's like very, very simple, really, really simple. So he'll, you know, he'd say things to me like, just, you know, do it again, but don't, you know, just keep your eyes on the other actor. On You don't have to move or emote too much of what you feel in that scene. Just keep it very, very still. And for me, it was a bit of a lesson in, film acting because of course you are huge on that screen and I, I think that Simon really you know he 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 really encourages you just to trust that what you're saying is enough and you don't have to over emote um so that was that was lovely I loved that and sometimes really challenging which I really enjoyed um he's also just the loveliest man and he like you said he is just so enthusiastic and loves Downton I've wanted to work with Simon Curtis, our director, for for years now. Actually, I've um, I've admired his work um, as a theatre director first of all, and then more recently in television and film. I I just think his body of work has been extraordinary, and so just getting to meet him through Elizabeth, he's married to Elizabeth. so he was uh, he was around on set when we were shooting the TV series, and he would you know sometimes come in and say hello, and uh, so it was a, it was a, a real joy to find out that he was going to be directing this movie. I it didn't occur to me that he, but of course why shouldn't he? Why why wouldn't he? He's there. He knows the world. So uh, of course he should direct it. It made complete sense. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, oh, he was great. Uh, he, but because he he knows that world, he, there was a kind of a sh- there was already a shorthand. Um, he he knew the characters already. Um, uh, so he 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 was just fabulous and so supportive. And uh, we were able to rehearse. And uh, there were, there were important scenes that needed to be rehearsed. And he always sort of um, made sure that we had that rehearsal time. So it was a oh absolute joy. Couldn't have asked for anything better. Simon Curtis definitely is part of the Downton family. I mean, he's been there kind of all the way along because of Elizabeth McGovern. And um so he came in he sort of came in knowing everything. Like he he's he's great. I mean, I love working with him. He's got an amazing attention to detail. He knows 
everyone's character very acutely like he and he, and he has ideas about everyone which which for a big cast is really is a real skill because you know if you're not on that day if your character's not doing that much you don't is you want to feel like you're invested in every scene or you're like your character's got a thread through every scene and he does that like he he was an absolute joy and we yeah i think everyone would say they loved loved working with him he was brilliant and and yeah and he got sort of it's not an easy I imagine it's not an easy thing to come into where the style, the tone of it is already decided in lots of ways. And how do you come in and put your own stamp on it? So he has to have that conversation with Gareth um, Neem, producer, and Liz Truebridge and kind of navigate his way through that. But everyone felt like he just came with this new, refreshed energy, which was absolutely brilliant. It was so wonderful working with Simon. He's obviously married to my mama um so we've known him for years and he's always been so supportive and a champion of everyone in the cast I really feel like that and um so to get a chance to work with him was amazing and yeah he knew everyone's storyline he knew everyone's history and that brought so much to the show because he really knew the dynamics and um, what he could stretch out and what he could pull out of each beat, which is so much a part of the show, so much about what's not said as well, particularly between the upstairs and downstairs. You don't want to miss what the servants are not saying in a scene filled with the upstairs lot chatting away. And he really got that. And, yeah, I mean, it really added as well to the feeling of, you know, a family working together and travelling together. It felt like we were all on holiday. Um and yeah, that was really special. You just heard from Laura Carmichael, who plays Lady Edith. This next interview, she's in talk about what's the appeal of this franchise? I think that one of the things that appeals about Downton is it's sort of, it's so hopeful. I think it doesn't want to write anyone off as the baddies. And, um, you know, Julian always wants to see from all sides. And he writes from a kind of understanding that he believes that everyone deep down has good in them. And um, and so therefore it's very comforting. It's not only is it glamorous and um, and all the rest of it, it's sort of escapism, but it it's hopeful. And I think that's why it's so nice to go back to. And I think, yeah, post-pandemic, I think, will be a treat for everyone to sort of switch off and enjoy seeing these characters they know and love and um and it and it's very funny it's very warm um but yeah i think it it makes you feel good really in that same vein we're going to hear from penelope wilton who plays isabel she's going to talk about what drew her to this project or what she likes about it but then she also gets into why she feels there's a greater appeal for downton abbey I think what I enjoy most is is the story. It's got a strong storyline, and uh, I think it's that's part of its success because it deals with everyday life of these people. So ev- an audience enjoy that world. You're taken into the world of of Danton, and um, I'm not entirely sure it was. In fact, I know it wasn't as quite as nice in the reality but the relationships of the people um are very true i think and uh people have the their favorite 
um, characters. So they follow those characters and they follow those storylines. And people, there are, uh, he writes, you know, so many storylines in one episode. And that is, I think, the enduring appeal of this and also the look of the thing. I mean, it looks wonderful. It's wonderful to see it visually. It's, it's a, it's a marvelous creation. Elizabeth McGovern is up next, who plays Cora. She's going to say what she feels this franchise is truly about. I think ultimately Downton is about love. And I think that's universal. I think that that is why people love it. I think in the end, it comes down to love and family um, and characters that have real heart and that, that people can really relate to. I think every single character somebody can relate to or relate to their story, something that's happened to them, even though it's set in the 1920s. Um, it's relatable. Um, but ultimately, I think it is about love. Up next, we're going to hear from the writer, Julian Fellows. This interview is just a four-star, full touchdown, whatever you want to say. This guy nails it. I just love his honesty and his passion. You know, you know what? I'm I'm not even going to get into it. Just everything he says is just, I love this interview. Check it out. I'm part of a dying breed who believes that one of the jobs, at least, of the entertainment industry is to entertain. Uh, We're a diminishing number. But I, I want people to watch Downton and enjoy it. I want them to go to this movie and have a nice time and laugh and cry uh, and go out and have a decent dinner and get back home and feel they've had a good evening. That, that suits me. That's my, that's my goal. Uh, and, and if people say, but is it enough for you just to entertain? Uh, the answer is yes. And, and, you know, I hope every now and then I make them think about the disparity of background in an unequal society, or I make them think of the difficulties of being homosexual in a period when it was still illegal, or, you know, we touch on things. But that's not the prime purpose. The prime purpose is to give them a really good evening. Was I right or was I right? I love that interview. Just saying, entertain you. I'll touch on these other things. But my principal job, entertain you. You go home. I had a great time. You know, just it's a great interview. Up next, we're going to hear from the director. And he's going to talk about kind of like his goal of, of this movie and seeing how this movie, the people in the movie, mirror where we're at now. Let him explain. The first film, I think it landed at a time in the midst of Brexit and Trump where uh, people were nostalgic, actually not for the 1920s, but for pre five years earlier and they used to sit and be happy on a Sunday night with their family. And I think, I hope this film will land at a time where, particularly coming out of the, the, the pandemic that's been so difficult for so many people all over the world. Uh, and of course, let's not forget, this is a group of characters who'd come through a pandemic. And in fact, one of the characters in the, in the, in the, the film uh, refers to her sister having died of the Spanish flu. And, uh, uh, you know, this, this is a group of people on the other side of a pandemic. And I, I hope... This is the story uh, for people on the other side of a pandemic, let's hope, and uh, that it will be a sort of comforting and amusing and emotional escape for a couple of hours for people all over the world. And that's very well put, because I believe that's what we all feel sometimes. You just want to get away. 
just hide from the world, a little place where you could just get away from it and just enjoy a movie. And especially if you're a fan of the series, it's like that nice warm blanket. It's like a friend. You you could count on it. You know what to expect from it. But yet it's a new story. And I always like that. Having something I've seen for years and it, it comes back to you. And you get to watch it and just be part of that world, part of that family. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, please email me, cinemajudge at hotmail.com. Because I can't grow if I don't know. Let me know. What do you like? What don't you like? How can I improve? Whatever you want to tell me, feel free. But if you want to watch a TV version of this, where you get to see these interviews, go to Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage, blm is in bloomington.mn backward slash BTV dash shows and just type in cinema judge and a whole bunch of shows will show up. But now it's one of my favorite times of the show. It's shout out time to every one of you who listened to the last episode. I hope my voice finds you well. Yes, I had a whole bunch of people who listened to the back catalog. So if you listen to a episode two or three months from now or past or a year ago, you don't hear me shout out. It's because generally it's a lot harder to see that kind of stuff. So I just say shout-outs from the previous episode. Everybody from the United States, Brazil, Germany, France, and Chechnya, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Hopkins, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, Kansas City, Missouri, Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. All of you guys, I had multiple listens from you. I truly appreciate that. If you're sharing it or listening to the show a couple times, I'm very grateful. That's what we are all about here, sharing movies with everybody else. So if you're sharing, I appreciate it. Sao Paulo. Seattle, Washington, Tampa, Florida, Pasadena, California, Littleton, Colorado, Tarzania, California, Cathedral City, California, South Hadley, Mass, Cottage Grove, Minnesota, Bergenfield, New Jersey. Now, is this is it Wapato, Washington, or something like that? Thank you, Washington. Frankfurt AM, Maine, Hess. Again, you guys are awesome. Always stopping in. Shells at Marne. That might not be right, but thank you so much. In Prague, Mestro Praha, every one of you all around the world taking time out of your life to listen to this show. I'm so grateful because there's not one day that goes by when I look at somebody listening, a city, state, country shows up. I'm thinking, where are you? What are you doing? And I love hearing it how you, when you tell me what you do or how you listen to the show. Some of you, when you're waiting for your kids to get done with a school activity, or you're mowing the lawn, you're doing the dishes, laundry, all these things, going to work, coming back from work, on break. Every one of these things, I just get so happy going, wow, that's what you're doing when you're listening to that. Because here I am, sitting in my basement, late at night, and you sometimes think, hey, I wonder, I wonder who's going to listen. But somebody, you know, obviously people are, and I that's so cool thinking, where are you? When are you? All these things, it just, it tickles my imagination, and it's just, it's so fun to think about that when I see, I don't care if it's somebody down the block or other side of the world, there you are listening right now, and it just blows my mind. It's just so cool. But this week's bourbon shout-out goes out to Kelsey and Shante. Thank you both for listening. You're awesome. Cheers. Now, it's the music section. For most of you who might know this if you're a regular, this is first a TV show. And then I get rid of the video and I turn it into a podcast. So when I'm making the TV version of this, I usually have tunes cranking in the background, having a great time. Obviously, I can't do that when I'm doing this because, well, that's just not, you know, it just can't be done. But 
when I'm making the video part, I'm just usually having a personal private party all by myself. It's I, I just I enjoy doing it so much. And this week I listened to a little bit of of the Boss Bruce Springsteen. Then I went to Chicago, not the state, but I listened to the band Chicago, their greatest hits. It's got fantastic greatest hits. If you ever have time, if you want to just go through it again, they're no matter who was part of the group, they always had great hits. I mean, from the early days to you know the later days, just top notch. Then I moved on to Coldplay, and man, they have some just wonderful, epic songs that just beautiful to listen to. If you've never seen them live, check them out because they put on such an experience. They they really involve the audience, and the, the times I've seen them, spectacular, just wonderful. But then I was still kind of in the classic mood because this. Movie, you know, not take doesn't take place in the wig wearing days, but it's still that kind of feel. So I had to put on some Mozart because man, his music is just incredible. For so for me, it was just kind of a a, a match with this theme of the movie. So I just cranked on Mozart and just let him ride. Don't, don't I don't know what songs or what concerto or whatever it was. I just played a whole bunch of stuff kind of in a row because when you're jamming, you're jamming. So that was my playlist making this episode. Well, that is it. My full glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 